excited about being in, in God's house with you tonight. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 5. We have one, one thought tonight. Evidently, it was very important to the Lord to, to put this many verses about this subject because he wants his church to, to know this. Remember that the First and Second Timothy and, and Titus, they're called the pastoral epistles. They're called that. They're not called that in the Bible. They're men in the church have called it that because it's very, they're very instructional as far as the personal godliness and sound doctrine and a pure conscience and how do we choose elders and leaders in the church and deacons and so forth. Very much geared towards the church and proper order within the church. And so, uh, which would be obviously very uh, pertinent to us in our lives as well. So look with me, if you would, at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now, last week we closed out our time of prayer and fasting. So it's been two weeks since we taught on Timothy. And we, we, we read the first two verses and covered that in our last lesson. So start reading with me in verse 3. We're going to read all the way through verse 16. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, his own, and especially for those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of, for good works, if she have brought up children, if she hath lodged the strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she hath relieved the afflicted, if she hath diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some are already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Okay, that's uh, 14 verses. 14 verses on this topic of how to how the church, the local church body, is to treat, honor, take care of widows. And really the majority of it is talking about who, according to this criteria, according to the word of God, is a widow indeed. That's the way it's put in the King James. And so uh, there is a responsibility of the church to take care of widows that are widows indeed. There is not the responsibility of the church to take care of uh, every woman, so to speak. And so we're going to look at it. We're going to talk about it. Honor true widows, he says in verse 3. We, we probably won't get through all of these tonight. That was a lot, and it's worth talking about. 
But in verse 3, honor widows that are widows indeed. Okay? Now we know that just in general, don't forget this, just in general, Christians are to love, Christians are to prefer one another, Christians are, the early church in the book of Acts, they, they had all things in common, right? People sold things and people that didn't have enough, the, the lack was made up for in, in Christ. Their needs were met, not their wants, but their needs were met. And so that is just a general principle that we are to give of ourselves, we're to prefer one another, we're to, we're to be our brother's keeper, okay? So that's just in general, just in general, Christians taking care of Christians, all right? And God uses us to help each other. Now, but this is a specific top topic, and the thought is, as is I've studied this, because I can't say that I've ever really studied, just really studied the meaning of this passage uh, this much, in this much detail as I have preparing for this. And the thought is that the, in these early churches, there, were, there was actually a role, there are a number, where the, the, those, the, the church was big and growing, and they wanted to make sure that people were provided for, and they wanted to, if someone was a genuine widow that had no other means of support, then they were added to the role, so to speak. And they were, they were taken care of by the church. Not just a love offering, but they were actually taken care of by the church. In return, we're going to see that they were very faithful to the Lord, and they served the Lord and ministered to the saints and washed the saints' feet and, feet and so forth. And, and so there was, a, there was a proper way to do it. Okay, a proper way to do it. So it's not just like somebody in our church is, is ha- going through a hard time financially. They're in between jobs and, and something happened and they needed a new washing machine and people pitched in and, and got them that. We absolutely do that kind of stuff. We should do it. We should do it all the time. This is more like taking somebody in and saying, we are going to be your sole means of support. That's different than a love offering, Right. This is more of a life and a lifestyle. And so there, when it says honor widows that are widows indeed, honor means respect. It also means support. So this, these next 14 verses deal with widows in the local church and the biblical criteria to determine who is, and I'll just use the terms the Bible uses, a widow indeed. Who is a widow indeed? And so God word, God's word gives general guidelines and he wants us to follow them. Skip ahead to verse 7 just real quickly. These things give in charge that they may be blameless. These, these are not just suggestions. These are things that would be the godly way to have order in the church. Order is very, very important to the Lord. And we talk about it all the time. God's not the author of what? Confusion. Even in the gifts of the Spirit, which you think of free and, and outpouring of the Spirit, even those are to be done decently and in order, the way that they were to function where? In the local church. God is a God of order, okay? And sometimes we have to learn, you know, we're, we're not doing it correctly, and the Lord can chasten us, instruct us, instruct us, but he wants ultimately for things to be done the way he wants them to be done, that he, he considers it, uh, that he wants it done in his church. All right, first of all, we'll, we'll say this, the church should honor true widows. The true widow, and we're going to get into it more as we go, has no family. She has no family within or without the church. She has no means of support. 
and she has fully cast herself upon the Lord. So think about that. She has no family, none. She has no means of support. And she has cast herself upon not the church, so to speak, or not people in the church or wealthy people in the church. She has cast herself upon the Lord. She's cast herself upon the Lord. That is a true widow. And the Bible tells us whether it's a widow or a, a widower or whoever it may be, an orphan, whoever it may be, the Bible tells us in Philippians 4 that, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Who supplies it? He doesn't say the church. The church might be the means that he does it. But he is the one that supplies our needs. Whatever period or whatever stage or state of life you're in, and I don't think it's just speaking about finances, but it says he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. All right, now widows. I'll say this, and widows indeed, the ones that are to be taken in the numbers, so to speak, put on the roll to be supported. Widows, it's speaking of widows, not simply ladies, not simply mothers, not simply unemployed women, not simply uh, divorced or single moms. It's not even a woman whose husband has died. But it's widows that have lost everything. According to what we're reading. It's widows that have lost everything. So basically when this one that's described as a widow indeed. And her husband died. And the husband did not leave a means for her to be supported. Sometimes people live day to day financially. Sometimes they live week to week or paycheck to paycheck. And so there, it's not uncommon that when the husband died, the woman, the woman had no means of support. She's a widow and she has no other means of support. Her husband did not leave her the funds. And so, um, and we're going to read this as we go on. She's faithfully serving the Lord. She has a testimony for Christ. All right? I think it's important. I think this, this ought to be taught more t today. I don't know that I've ever heard a teaching on it. I think it ought to be taught. The local church is to help meet the needs of this one. Okay? That's a widow indeed. It's absolutely, it is our responsibility. And... It has, again, has to do not just, well, let's take up an offering. You may do that and get her some groceries. This would be more along the lines of supporting her, like we support a missionary. From what I've studied, and they all are in, a, in agreement that I've read and studied, that is the thought that's here, okay? So the church is to take them in, so to speak. Now, uh, look at verse 4. <clears throat> this is not a widow indeed. She might be a widow She's not a widow that the church is to take in. Doesn't mean, and even this, y'all, even the widows that it says don't take in, don't put on the roll, don't support, doesn't mean you don't love them, care for them if they have some need that you don't help meet it. That's just a general principle of Christianity. We're talking about, try to keep it in mind, who is it that the church says, okay, these are your needs and as long as you serve God and are in this church, we are responsible for your needs. That's the thought that's here, okay? Now, but if any widow have children or nephews, that word for nephew actually means descendants. It's not just nieces and nephews, okay? But if any widow have children or descendants, let them 
those children or descendants. Let them learn first to show piety at home and requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. What does that mean? It means just what what do you think it means? A widow with children or descendants, grandchildren, so to, or as the case may be, should be taken care of by them. The Bible says that. This isn't a pastor's viewpoint. A widow who has children or grandchildren, nephews, nieces, descendants, should be taken care of by them. It is their obligation the children should first, it says, learn to show piety. That means practical godliness. You know, godliness is very practical. And it's a shame when it's not. When we make godliness seem that, oh, I had this dream and I had this vision. That could be godly as well. And I, I felt this feeling and I sh- my voice trembles when I, when I pray. I'm not mocking any of that. But true godliness is going to work itself out in how you love people. Beloved, let us not love in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth, right? And so uh, let them learn first, the children and the grandchildren, the nephews and nieces. This is something that they can learn. They can learn practical godliness and show it first at home. First place, before they spend money on a mission trip, before they, you understand what I'm saying, take off and and do this and that and the other, uh, they should first learn to show practical godliness at home. I'm going to read this. We all know the scripture. Ephesians 6 2 says, Honor thy father and mother, though it be an honor. So here's a widow with children. Oh, mom, the church will take care of you. No, the church is not responsible to take care. They'll love you and teach you the things of Christ and help you serve the Lord and all these kind of things and grow in the Lord. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And the promise was that it may go well with you, right? It is something that we learn. It's something that we learn as Christians. And, and again, sometimes we, we, we get our eyes off of, to me, the most godly things are the most practical things. The real basic down to earth. Again, I've seen, I've seen with my own eyes. I, I pray that I haven't been guilty of it. But people that can, can uh, be very godly and spiritual when there's a church crowd. But as soon as it's over, they're going to go into an R-rated movie. Or as soon as it's over, they're going to uh, look for some excuse not to go help their mom or their dad. It's a horrible witness for Christ. And we ought to do some real soul searching. It begins there. Your Christianity and your practical godliness, and so does mine, it begins there. Nobody says it's easy. It's certainly not recognized by men. I don't know how Reynolds treats his mom. I think he treats her very well. He's got wonderful parents. But you understand my point. Uh, it's between him and the Lord and his mother. Your father who sees in secret is going to reward you openly. We need to be godly privately. The rest will flow out of that. And when we're godly privately and we grow in godliness privately, God can entrust us with more, maybe publicly. Very, very important, y'all. I can't stress it enough. They... Uh, it's a horrible witness for Christ to speak of how much your, how strong your Christianity is. And I would include myself just in general. It's a horrible witness to speak about how much we love the Lord and how strong we are in Christ and yet, yet not take care of my mother. 
not take care of my family members that, uh, and their needs. We're to requite, that's the word that's used, our parents. Remember this, even if our parents are lost and don't know Jesus, we're here because of them. They took care of us. They took care of us and provided for us. There comes some point, not even just talking about widows, there comes some point where they're going to be need, they're going to have needs, and they cannot take care of themselves like they once did. And it's a, it's a wonderful witness to, to Christ for Christ when we do. He says at the end of verse 4, for that is good and acceptable before God. So there's a lot of good teachings in this. It's not just the thought of who's a real widow. Uh, it includes that, but to me it includes more than that. So children, sh- uh, children should show love and kindness, and, and they are showing love and kindness in Christianity by providing for their elderly parents. It's good and acceptable to the Lord. God is pleased with that. And you know what else the Lord will do? He, he'll help you to do it. You say, well, I don't have the money. I can barely take care of me and my family. How can I take care of my mom or my mom and dad? God will provide. You set out to do it in faith and believe that he'll, he'll do it. You step up to the plate and do your responsibility with joy and by faith. And the Lord, he knows what you have need of before you ask him. You, we're just going to have to believe him for that. And so he, he will give us the strength to do it. And he will bless us and reward us for it. So the whole thought again in this whole passage is to determine according to the Bible and the standard given who is a widow indeed in the sense of being taken care of by the church. So let's move on. And who is not? Verse 5. Now she that is a widow indeed, and this is a description in part of the one who really is a widow, the one that that the church is responsible for. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. So let's look at that. This widow indeed. She is uh, two things. Two main qualifications. She's desolate. What does desolate mean? You can think of a desolate place like a, de- a desert that's barren. Desolate means alone. The definition. It means soul. S-O-L-E. Soul by yourself or alone. Well, that's not somebody with children and grandchildren running around the house, okay? Someone that's a widow indeed. She's desolate, it says in verse 5. She's sole or alone, and she trusts in God. That's the two main criteria. I want to read a couple of scriptures. First, I want to mention, there's a, uh, I'll just read this from Luke. We hear it at the Christmas story all the time about Anna the prophetess. She was a widow of about four score and four years. So she's 84 years old which departed not for the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She served the Lord continually. She was known for that. You know what? That's a widow indeed, according to this, this, uh, this criteria that's given. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and read from Mark chapter 12. The end of the chapter, Mark 12, 41. It's not a parable. This is a true account. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. So she's poor. She'd be a rich widow, okay? But this one was not. She was a poor widow. 
and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want, or her need, did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now we're getting to the point of the biblical picture or, or standard of the widow that, that's to be honored in this sense, okay? Honored and, and taken care of. So she's a widow indeed. I want to read, uh, there's 14 things in the, in, from that verse on down about a widow indeed. I want to just read this. A widow indeed. She has no children or descendants. She's desolate and in need. She's trusting in God. She's living in daily prayer. She has no uh, like worldly pleasure. She's not a pleasure seeker. She is blameless in life and conduct. She is at least 60 years old. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Not often married and divorced. She wasn't married, divorced all of her life a bunch of times. Her reputation is one of good works. She hath brought up children. She has been hospitable. She has served the saints. She has relieved the suffering. She has followed every good work. Okay, pretty high standard, but really you could say that that's a godly standard of just a godly uh, person. If we're going to take care of somebody and it becomes a responsibility of the church, we need to know who is our responsibility. We need to be very faithful to do it and who is not our, our, our responsibility as the church. If they have children and grandchildren, it's their responsibility for their needs. doesn't mean you can't, the church can't give them something. It means they're not the responsibility of the church to, to meet their every worldly need that they have. Okay, So she's desolate in verse 5, and she trusts in God. She's a widow, and she is in genuine need. And she, uh, she has to be a Christian. I mean, this goes without saying. If somebody just uh, just is, pops in and out of the church and has no testimony for Christ, you might give them something as a witness. The, Lord, the church may give them something as a witness and pay their electric bill, okay? Give them money so they can get Christmas presents for their kids at, at Christmas time. But the church is not responsible to take care of them, okay? That is not the church's responsible, responsibility. She, her life has been proven to be godly and ministering ministers, I mean, mentioned here by prayer, ministering to the saints. She's relieved the poor, it says. She has actually helped out of her want. She's given. With all of her own hardships that she's facing, she has still had a heart to help others. I think that's important. There are people that are just sponges. They just want. They just want, want. And they don't give. Even what they can give, they don't give. Like of their time, or picking some up, giving them a ride, or helping out, clean up around the church. Even what they could do, they don't do. They just want, and they sit, and they expect the church to give to them. The church has no responsibility to that at all, okay? Again, we might give us a love offering or something to someone as a witness for Christ, but it's not the responsibility to take care of, of someone like that. And I like the, one, one of the commentaries I was reading. It says, the love that she once showered on her husband is now to be showered on Christ and his church. Such a woman is actually a great blessing to a church. 
It really is a blessing to have someone like that. So let's contrast that one. It's going to go back and forth in this passage. In verse 6, here will be a, a contrast to that widow that's a widow indeed. Verse 6, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Well, what in the world is he talking about here? He that liveth in pleasure, pleasure here does not mean pleasure like there are godly pleasures that we have in life, right? At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's not talking about that. The word pleasure here in the King James means riotous, filthy, licentiousness. Well, then that makes more sense, right? She that lives in pleasure, she lives this way. She lives riotously. She lives filthy. She lives licentiously. She's dead while she liveth. This does not sound like a Christian at all. She could be a widow and she could attend the church, but she's not a widow indeed. She's spiritually dead. Uh, so again, to not t living in pleasure does not mean the godly pleasures that life that God blesses us with. It's talking about this type of lifestyle. She's living for the world and for worldly pleasures. And the Bible says that we're to set our affections on things above. If we're risen with Christ, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. So here's just a description. It sounds to me like it doesn't point out say but it says she's dead while she lives it sounds like she's spiritually dead she's not a christian and yet she's they everybody knows in the church knows who she is she might be likable but she's not one that's to be taken in okay on put on the church role so to speak to be ministered to in, the, in those needs the church is not obligated to her again other than telling her the truth and preaching the truth and loving her in christ like we owe all men so what was that I preached just a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning about uh, owe no man anything but to love one another. We owe that to all men. We owe that to win enemies and lost people and saved people and women that are widow women that are living in pleasure and riotously. We owe it to love them. We owe it to them. Okay, but don't owe it. The church does not owe it to, to bring them in and take care of their, their earthly needs. Verse 7. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. We read it a minute ago, simply saying it's, it's important. The Lord says, give in charge. In other words, Paul is writing to Timothy, right? And he's saying in the church with the elders, let this be taught. Let it be known. Let the widows know it. Let the church people know it. Let the leaders know it. This is how it's to function and operate when it comes to taking care of widows, that they may be blameless. That we not skip over somebody we should be taken care of, and that we not spend all our money taking care of people that is, is uh, that not the responsibility of the church, and actually is not pleasing to the Lord to do that. Okay, verse eight. But if any provide, now to me we could expand this beyond just widows. All right, but if any man provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house. Two things very serious. He had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. I would say it's serious to the Lord, right? Again, he's being repetitive, but evidently the Holy Ghost is being repetitive because this is something he wants his people to learn and to know. If any man provide, provides not, what is he talking about providing? Obviously, this is talking about provisions, taking care of people in this life. If any provide not for his own, especially those of his own house, he's worse 
than an infidel. He's denied the faith, the faith, one true faith that was delivered to the saints. And he's worse than an infidel, which is an unbeliever. Worse than that, according to the word of God. It's serious to the Lord. Again, I'll say it again. What a horrible witness when the world, as the case may be, takes better care of their families or elderly parents or widowed mothers than Christians do. What a horrible witness for Christ. And it happens. It happens. I'm not pointing out any names. It's just, it's a shame when that is the case. So look with me back in Mark chapter 7. So Jesus has, has many run-ins with the Pharisees that were hypocritical. They preached and taught, but they didn't do. They would, might preach the right things and say the right things, but they themselves didn't do it. Okay, that's a hypocrite. Verse uh, 11. But if any man, but ye say, if a man shall, well, let's back up. Verse 10. For Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And who curseth his, whoso curseth his father and mother, let him die the death. Moses said that, okay? But ye say, if a man shall say to his father and mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions, which ye have delivered and many such things, like things you do. Well, what is he talking about? Uh, you're supposed to honor your mother and father, which obviously includes taking care of them at, at a certain point in their life. And they all knew that. But the people, the, the Jewish people, and maybe the Pharisees and so forth, that wanted to find a loophole in that law. They wanted to find a way to not take care of their parents and keep their money for themselves. And so they said, oh, it's a gift for God. It's Corbin. It's a consecrated present. I've dedicated to the God. Doesn't mean they actually gave it to the Lord or gave it to the temple or, or anything like that. They just said, oh, that's dedicated to God. So sorry, mom and dad, I can't, can't take care of you. What a convenient spiritual thing, right? Can't take care of you, mom and dad. That's dedicated to God. Well, God says you ought to be dedicated to your parents. Christian or non-Christian, whether the most wonderful or not the most wonderful, God will have to show us the limitations to that. But you understand the point. He, he said, you're a hypocrite. You've taken the word of God and made it of none effect. It's not what God intended when he said, honor your mother and father. So you all see that, right? It's important to the Lord. That's all I can say. And so uh, back in, in 1 Timothy if we don't provide for our own household, it's a horrible witness. Even the world knows better. You know what I mean? Even the world knows better. The world even knows their responsibility. It doesn't mean they always do it, but even the world knows the responsibility. And if they see Christians not doing it, uh, it's a horrible witness for the Lord, y'all. And our witness for the Lord is, is probably the most valuable thing we have. Our relationship with God and our testimony for Christ is more valuable than your home and your possessions and all of those things. That you really know the Christ and you really live for him. And people can verify and say, yes, he's the real deal. She's the real deal. Okay, that, there's nothing more valuable than that. So part of that would be providing for our own family. 
Again, we might need God's help to do it. Certainly we do need God's help to do it, but it's still our responsibility. And it's very clear biblically. If you're not taking care of those you should take care of, stop telling people you're a Christian. It's a bad witness. Just be quiet and stop talking about the Lord. And that would be for me too if we're not doing the things that even the world knows we should be doing, right? Look at a few more verses, verses 9 and 10. We'll read those together. Let not a widow be taken. It's kind of confusing the way it's written, but it becomes clear. Let not a widow be taken into the number. That would be the role that the church says, okay, we've got another one. She's a widow indeed. We're going to take care of her. Don't let this person be taken in. If she's, um, verse 9, under, the, under three score or six, 60 years old. So if she's younger than 60, she's not to be added to that role. Doesn't mean, I'll say it again, doesn't mean the church doesn't love her. It doesn't mean they're rejecting her. It doesn't mean she's cast out of the church. It doesn't mean the church can't help her or people in the church can't help her. It means she's not to be added to this role of those that are a widow indeed to be taken care of if she's under 60 years old. Now, it kind of, it, again, it's confusing, but it's getting back to a, a widow indeed. Under, uh, all right, having been, the end of verse 9, the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, this is a true widow, if she have brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, washed the saints' feet, relieved the afflicted, uh, diligently followed every good work. Now, uh, this is a widow, again, with no descendants, and she's cast herself upon the Lord, and she is actively living for God, and actively living for God in the church in such a way that the body of Christ recognizes her service to the Lord, and it's genuine, and it's, it's faithful, okay? We're always to be compassionate. If the widow was not a fine Christian, if she was under 60 years old, we're always compassionate and loving. Keep in mind what we're talking about so we don't get bitter and think, well, that's kind of mean of the Lord. Uh, we just don't need to understand what, what, what is being taught here, okay? So what are, the, what are the things that are mentioned here? She's under 60. She doesn't have anybody else to take care of her. She hasn't been married bunches and bunches of times, okay, and divorced a bunch of times. She's well reported of for good works. And here are some mentions. She's raised children. She has lodged strangers. That means hospitable. Isn't that a godly? It's one of the gifts, not a gift of the Spirit, but is a godly gift or ministry that's mentioned in Romans. Hospitality. When somebody comes through town. Missionary comes through town. Well, he's coming to my house. He's going to stay with me. You understand what I'm saying? Being hospitable, taking people in. All right, she's done these things. This woman, she's raised children. She's lodged strangers. She's washed the saints' feet or ministered to the saints. She's relieved the afflicted. I do think it has to do with money as well. Maybe she gave out of her want, like the widow casting in her two mites. Maybe she cooked a meal. Uh, maybe she, she made a clean place for him to sleep, but she ministered to the afflicted. And then this covers it all. She has diligently followed every good work. And really, what, what kind of woman is this? Well, she's godly. That's all they're saying. She's godly. 
She's cast, and people know that she's godly. She has a reputation or testimony of being godly, and they know it's genuine. The Bible says we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So she's, she is, has diligently followed every good work. Good works don't save us, but good works follow a saved life. Amen? Good works follow true faith in Christ and a changed life. We'll finish up this verse. All right, if she's going to be qualified to receive good works from the church, the local church, she must have performed good works herself. That's what it's saying. Our good works, again, they don't save us, but they are evidence that we are saved. Good works are fruit of a, of a truly changed life. How was it changed? By faith in Christ, by grace alone. But it's, that grace is going, and by the Holy Spirit, is going to produce fruit, and it's going to produce good works. We're always to be compassionate, whether somebody meets those criteria or not. Always helpful, always uh, Christ-like, always, okay? But we're talking again about something. I don't even know if it's a practice in the churches now to where uh, th there's a benevolence fund so a lot of times and people just just kind of throw it out there. I think it would be much more honoring to the Lord to do it the way God says with a Bible, biblical criteria being met. It would help the church and it also would help the one being helped because there are qualifications that she needs to meet. She's going to have to be desolate and, and be at the point where her has no family to take care of her. So she's casting herself fully upon the Lord. Amen. Just a couple more verses. But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. Okay, younger widows. This is the ones under 60. The younger widows, uh, it says, when they refuse, refuse in what way? Kick them out of the church? No. Refuse to, to be Christ-like to them? No. Refuse to put on this role or this number. This role of widows indeed. That's all he's saying there. And it's not a blanket condemnation. It's not every young widow that would do that, what is described here. But the young widows refuse for when they have begun to wax wanton. What does that mean? That they begin to wax wanton. Okay. It means that they're turning from. Their wax wanted means they become insolent, opposed to, or showing disrespect to Christ. Again, what was this person saved in the first place? I don't know. The Lord will have to judge that. But he's making a point when the younger, when, if, a younger widow, it says they can become, begun to wax wanton, wanton against Christ. Disrespectful to Christ insolent to Christ, opposed to Christ. And so the idea here is that maybe they're in the church and that's not the one that's to be supported, okay? That's not the one that's to be supported, that they begin to desire to be married. Well, is it wrong for a widow to remarry? No, it's not. We'll look at a scripture or two. But the fact, that what's pictured here is that they desire to be married more than to follow Christ. That's why that's put in there. 
in, in the scriptures, they wax wanton against Christ. It's serious. Those aren't little, little things. Insolent towards Christ, uh, opposed to Christ. In verse 11, it's, it's so their desire to be married, all they want to do is be married again and be taken care of again. And they're not concerned about knowing Christ, serving Christ. Nothing sinful for a widow of any age to remarry. There's nothing prohibitive in the Bible about that. But it is sinful if she seeks to be married above a commitment to Christ and serving the Lord. So maybe she's hanging around in the church looking for an eligible bachelor. But she wants that more than she wants Christ. I think that's what's described right here. And so I'm just going to close with that. I know it's a little bit unusual tonight, but my thought from this, what I believe the Lord would have us to get from this, and we'll have to finish it next week, is that we do have very definite responsibilities. And it takes a little effort, I guess you would say. It takes a little effort to, to know who is the church's responsibility and who is not. And the qualifications are basically are be godliness. They have no other means of support, and they're godly, okay? And they're at a certain age. But even, even if it wasn't widows, we, ha- we forget sometimes it's not our money, it's the Lord's money. And so for me, just to say, you know, I feel really sorry for so-and-so. I know they don't meet any of that criteria, but I'm just going to write out a big check to them. I would have to be careful of that. That's the point here. It's not mine, it's not even yours. Once we've given it to God, it's the Lord's, okay? And he has a criteria here. And I would say on the flip side of that, we need to be careful that we're not neglecting any genuine responsibilities that we have, in this case, to a widow that would meet the, those criteria, okay? And, and say, well, that's not my problem. It is our problem if she meet, or our responsibility if she meets that criteria, Okay? So I'm going I'm to close with that. Make sure, just, this, I pray nobody felt uh, like condemned by this, but I, it is a horrible witness if we don't take care of those that God is in our family. It's a bad witness for Christ. He tells us that we're to do it. Even if it's hard, he will help us if we'll trust him to do that. Okay? So I'm going to close with that. D, uh, Chris, you can come up maybe and just, just play. That might be something that's so far down the road for you because of your age. You're not even thinking about taking care of anybody in your family that's older. But it's coming if the Lord tarries. And uh, it's a wonderful way to show the love of Christ. It's a wonderful way to, uh, to actually serve the Lord. It's a wonderful way for our church to show the love of the Lord to others within the body as he leads us and directs us to do that. Y'all stand with me.